0: I just want to focus on the good stuff, man. And, and because there's so much good stuff. I've had issues with alcohol and nicotine. So you can pretty much surmise that I've been an idiot, right, in my life. Because I would go through periods where I'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm really starting to worry about my my situation. So I'd quit for that month. And it wasn't that hard most of the time because I just knew that that month would end. And the entire month, I just looked forward to that month ending. And I'd get to the end of the month and I'd be like, whoa, and I'd just go right off the rails, right? <laughs> I think we are somewhere where there just wasn't any stores. So, I couldn't find any alcohol.
1: And I'm like, God dang it, man. This is my last. My name is Anthony Cappazzoli, and this is the Dismantled Life podcast, where we share stories of hope, love, and strength from the darkness of addiction into the sunlight of sobriety. These are stories from people just like us who have lived through the pain and made it. I started following you because I like the, the way that I like, I love your approach of the integrated blog post with uh, discussions in and around your sobriety and then the integration of the audio layer of the blog post. So it's a podcast, but you, right. read, your, you read your posts and you add some layers of uh, clarity and detail that I think is really, really nice. And I'm going to plug this here if you don't mind, but First. you have the greatest idea ever and I'm excited to be a part of it. I'll let you actually do the big unveil here for what we're going to be doing on Fridays together. And not just me and you, but lots yeah. of people.
0: Yeah. It's something I've been uh, trying to get rolling. We did one in uh, it, it was pretty successful, and then we tried to do it the next week, and uh, everybody was busy, and it just fell apart, and so we didn't do it, and then I just haven't gotten back to it. But the idea is to do a, what I like to call a sober happy hour, and the idea is just to get a, a group of people together who um, are in, you know in sobriety. Yeah. And, uh, and I even said, Hey, bring a, bring a drink, you know, your favorite non-alcoholic drink. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah. we do it on video. So we do a video cast and, um, and we just have a conversation, you know, and, and I think we just talked, uh, you know, some general kind of questions about what was going on, but the idea would be more to have no format, just yeah. a group of people getting together, talking, having people come to visit and, uh, watch or ask questions or, you know, but very light, very open uh, and, and fun, right? I mean, one of the biggest things you hear about sobriety is, you know, sober people are boring, right? I'm like, no, we're not. That's we're, a bunch of crap. I am cool, way more dude. fun now.
1: I am way more fun now that I'm sober than I was when I was drunk because I'm coherent. I can have a conversation and remember it. It's wonderful.
0: That's been my biggest <laughs> thing right there, right? I can remember and I don't have to like concentrate the entire time on what I'm going to say
1: next because I'm going to lose it, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just wrote. An article. I, my, my wife's birthday just passed. I'm not going to say how old she was, but she's you know 22. Let's just go with that. She's 22. <laughs> um, but what's cool is we went out and it's been 27 months for me in sobriety. And, and I'm happy to say that uh, there are stretches where it goes, I'm going to say kind of unnoticed, if you will, but, but for me. And then there are some times where I'm biting the wooden spoon or I'm struggling through a day, or there's a stretch where I've got struggling with anger issues and different things. And it's been about 27 months and we w- went out with friends to celebrate her birthday uh, this past Saturday. And what was really nice is we went out to my old stomping grounds, in, if you will, which is for anyone listening that hasn't gone through this yet from a, from a sober perspective, you learn to avoid the old stomping grounds for a long time because you have to build new habits and routines. So sure. I went in and with a bunch of friends who I would normally be out drinking and carousing with, smoking and drinking and partying and whatever. And we went out um, with couples and had a wonderful evening. Uh, everybody at the table was having drinks except for me, and it was truly wonderful. I didn't have an itch to to drink or smoke or, in my case, do cocaine, uh, mm-hmm. which was really awesome. And it, I wrote an article about how you know there are fun things to do sober. So kind of banking on the idea of the sober happy hour. I think it's genius because it gives us all the ability to still have fun and be cool and who we all really are without the weight or the pain of alcoholism or any addiction, whatever that might be. I
0: agree. Yeah, I think um, there's so many things we can do and 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 it opens up some doors to some things we wouldn't have, would have never seen too, right? And I love that aspect of it. But, you know, I've written a few times about the idea of going out with people who are drinking and that experience was one of the things that tipped me over. And made me realize how much I want to be sober because sitting there watching people talk and, you know, watching the the evening just disintegrate as time <laughs> goes on and being sober and being able to just kind of witness that it is, I, to me, it's fascinating. And it became one of the things I just became obsessed with was just watching how alcohol affects people in conversation and relationships. In just one evening, you know? And so then I just started looking at everywhere I went. I was like, What you know, what's going on with alcohol there? What's going on with alcohol there? And and I would just kind of watch it and it became this just a fascination for me. And it made it so that and I've said this, I don't know if you've read a lot of my stuff, but one of the things I really lean towards is this idea of easy sobriety and and uh, you know, there's a lot of pushback against that. But for me it has been, and my wife too, we quit at the same time. And we believe it's because of that that it was just a shift in our perception and our mindset. You know, that we just look at it differently and we did from day one. And since then, it's just never been a, never been an issue. And, uh, and I love that aspect of it, but it goes back to that, what you're just saying, you know, the first time I went out with friends was when I realized that and I'm like, oh my God, I want nothing to do with this ever again. And I, and
1: I don't, I think that there's uh, a layer of what I'll call contextual addiction. And so not to go too far off the course and I'm going to, Add this to to your your point and then maybe get into a little bit more detail about your, your journey from, you know, what got you sober and things. But the contextual addiction, Vietnam vets, they did a study after the Vietnam veterans returned home. What they did in Vietnam was not what they did when they got home. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is true 100% of the time, but the study did reveal that if they smoked pot or did heroin or whatever it is, drank at in excess or even smoked cigarettes, whatever it might be, while they were there, they did it contextually because that's what they needed to do to get through the day. And I'm not suggesting that any addict can just do that. But what happened is when they came home, they... Found it easy to put the cigarettes, the bottle, or the heroin down, not in 100% of the cases. Right. But what they did, when they did talk to the folks that were able to do that, they said, Well, that's not what I do here. That's what I did there. And so contextually, they were able to make that delineation, if you will, and then continue on, I guess, without the use of those tools to get through the day in Vietnam. Going back or building new routines, staying away from, I think that that's the main piece that. Contextually is kind of what you're leaning into, and I'm curious to hear your story in greater detail about what your journey was like and what made you ultimately decide to quit. As far as my story goes,
0: what I've talked about in the past is this idea that um, you know when we hear stories, although they are you know helpful for a lot of people when they're going into sobriety, a lot of people tend to focus on the negative side of their stories, and and then you get that little you know, piece at the end that's really positive and uplifting and makes you feel good. And I'm like, I don't know why we need to focus on all that stuff. Right. So I can pretty much tell you I've had issues with alcohol and nicotine. So you can pretty much surmise right. that I've been an idiot, right, in my life. <laughs> so so we'll skip that part a little bit and uh, and go into... I-,
1: I love it though. You're right. Like, because every story is about, not to take it away from anybody's unique approach or story. I love it. You're like, I've been there. I've done it. We all know it. Let's just move ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's great.
0: I just want to focus on the good stuff, man. And and because there's so much good stuff. And uh, but I will say this. Um, you know, looking back at my time, I, you know, I didn't have those really harrowing experiences. You know, I did a lot of dumb things. Obviously, you know, I kept my job. I don't. I don't think I ever ruined a relationship because of it. You know, those kind of things. So I was very functional, and I was very good at being a functional alcoholic, and I was very good at hiding that. You know, I don't think anybody knew. I mean, honestly, I don't think they did, Um, but what I knew was I knew how much I was doing it and I knew how it was affecting my ability to, you know, to live and to live well. It went on and on and on. And my, I think some of my favorite stories were when I knew that I had an issue and how I tried to convince myself that I didn't have an issue as we all do, and then tried to find those ways to moderate, right? That was my whole thing. I'm like, I know I can do it because I would go through periods where I'd be like, Hey, I'm, I'm really starting to worry about my, my situation. And so I would quit for a month. I just like, I'm just going to do it just to make sure like prove to myself, I don't have a problem. So I'd quit for that month. And it wasn't that hard most of the time, because I just knew that that month would end. And the entire month, I just looked forward to that month ending and I'd get to the end of the month and I'm like, whoa. And I would just go right off the rails. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and that was one of mine, you know, so I would do that once in a while. Um, another of my favorites was because I'm a teacher. And I'd say um, I just won't drink during the week. You know, I don't want to go to work feeling hungover and having to deal with kids, and you know that's just difficult. And uh, and so I'd say I just won't drink during the week. That's easy, right? I'll just and I can drink as much as I want on the weekends. That was always my disclaimer, right? (laughs) Um, But it would always last for like three days, and then Wednesday would roll around. I'd have a bad day, and I'd be like, you know, whatever. And I would find a reason to, uh, you know, justify why I was able to drink. So that was one. Um, Another one we tried, my wife and I both was. I'm gonna not drink at home. Only drink when I go out. So two things happen. One is you end up going out all the time and then you end up being broke, you know, or you find a reason to say, well, now it's too much money. So I'm gonna justify drinking at home because I want to save money. So you just always found ways to to kind of get around it. So when we finally, you know, decided, hey, we gotta do this. You know, it's it's time. And my wife's idea was, hey, let's do it for a month again, you know. And And I was kind of past the month thing because I'm like, I've done that and that's not where I'm at. I think I need to, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. And so we set a date and it was uh, January 5th for her. And um, I had quit nicotine a couple months back. And so I was really struggling with nicotine. It was, uh, that was more of a a problem for me than alcohol, to be honest with you. So when our date came, she went out of town for business and, you know, we talked that night and that was supposed to be our first day. And I just said, Hey, you know what? I can't do it. I'm not ready. You know, I, I'm dealing with this nicotine thing. I don't think I'm there, and so she said, "That's fine. You know, I'll, I'm I'm going to stay uh, on my path." And she did, and uh, so I I kind of just said, "Okay," and just tried to figure out where I was. Had a couple moments with her where I was drinking and she wasn't. Where I remember feeling bad, you know. And in the meantime, she was reading um, a book called "This Naked Mind," which I think a lot of people know about. And she was talking about it, and then I came across a, a long friend, you know, long term friend of mine who I hadn't talked to in a while. And she had been reading the same book. And she's like, you got to check it out. So I'm like, all right. I bought the book uh, for my day one and started reading the book on day one. And that was about 13 days after my wife quit. Because I I didn't, I just couldn't do it. I mean, I felt so bad drinking when she wasn't drinking, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so I'm finally like, okay, it's time. And I set a date and we were going to, I think Colorado for a snowboarding trip and she was already there. She picked up my son and met me there and I was flying. Of course, on the plane ride there, I would drink as much as I could, you know, and, uh, (laughs) because I knew the next day was going to be the day I quit.
1: Yeah. You got to get it in. Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) And And
0: I even remember when we got to the hotel, I think we were somewhere where there just wasn't any stores. So I couldn't find any alcohol and I'm like, God dang it, man, this is my last day. This isn't cool. You know? And. And what have you. But, you know, I started reading that book, began day one. And I decided on day one, um, I walked down to the lobby with my computer and I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to write. I'm going to write every day. It's just about my experience, you know? So I started on sober day one and I started writing my blog. And that's the blog that I'm still writing now. I made a deal to write for the first 30 days, just every day for 30 days about my experience. And so I started doing that and you know along the the way um i was reading as much literature as i could my wife and i were sharing our experiences i was getting really jazzed on the whole thing because what i found was almost immediately especially when i started writing and reading that book there was just no turning back i just i i kept finding reasons to 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 understand that this was not something i wanted in my life and i just believed it that's what i did and then i just started like i told you before we started uh, this podcast was um, I just started looking at alcohol out in the world and and just understanding it, trying to learn what was going on, watching people while they drink, watching the advertisements, watching the TV shows and the literature that you read. And it's just phenomenal how much it's publicized and how much it's uh, encouraged. Right. And that just pissed me off. Like that idea made me angry. <laughs> in fact, I remember it's there was, true,
1: right? it is true. It is. I always liken it to, you know, everyone complains about how much sugar we have in, in, in our diets. And just to make a parallel here uh, towards the alcohol advertising, and I don't have anything against alcohol advertising. I mean, you, you have to make choices and there. Every commercial, if you notice during the day, is directed at bad food, bad drink, and horrible lifestyles. And so you have to be aware of what you're consuming with your eyes and your mind in that regard. And I think that you're spot on because every... When was the last time you saw a commercial where alcohol wasn't generating loads of fun and people prancing down the beach and enjoying some crazy motorcycle ride to some amazing Vista that leads them to have a Corona or a Pacifico on a beach somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Mexico? Like, you know, come on. like yeah. that That's all bullshit.
0: <laughs> you know? It really is. It's, and, and, and I was watching a, a TV series once uh, after I quit. And you know how they always give you the disclaimers about what's the, the what do you call it? The restrictions, right? So it's say right. nudity, right? Hey, we got to warn you that there's nudity. Or hey, right. there's violence. We got to warn you that there's violence. Hey, there's drugs. We got to warn you that there's drugs. But then it said substance abuse. Like it didn't even say alcohol because it, they don't want to make alcohol a bad thing, right? And it's that was the biggest part of the show was alcohol which was kind of funny to me, you know? And I'm like, wow, that is just that's amazing. So that
1: was the stuff I started noticing. The name of the book that you, you and your wife both read from day one is called The Naked Mind. This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. And forgive me for kind of circling back on that. I just like to take some notes because I love that kind of stuff. I love the fact that you committed to writing every single day about your experiences when you you'll know, put a cork in the bottle, so to speak. And what I think is the most important takeaway, it doesn't matter if you're writing, if you're walking, if you're running, if you're biking, whatever the hell it is you're doing, it's the new routines and the new habits that you're creating. And and you have to use the outlet that works best for you. So what I love and what I love about your, I follow you on Twitter at X Stop Writing. And what I love is have an open armed approach is, is you don't subscribe to this is the way to do it. You say the way is the way. And it works differently for everybody. And I love the, your open-minded approach to this whole thing. It's really interesting and different. I, I you don't subscribe to you've got to do it this way, which is really good.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that a lot. And I'll be honest with you; sometimes it's tough to keep that mindset because the sober community can be pretty um, one-sided, you know, one-directional. And uh, in fact, recently I have been posting in some forums just to kind of get some you know different thoughts out there, and you know, and I always say, hey, this is my thought. Hey, if if you're doing it that way and it's working for you, then that is the right way. And I always say that, but I will get just hammered by people putting down my experience. Which I'm like, isn't that go against everything you're supposed to be thinking and doing? Like, just support me. Here's my thought. If you like it, take it. If you don't, don't. Right. And so um I just recently, um today, in fact, had to I usually don't respond to that stuff, but I finally had to, because I'm like, look. (laughs) <laughs> this is my experience guys. If you don't like it, that's fine, but you don't have to put me down for it, you know, that's because correct. I believe it works and it works for me. And here's the thing. I've heard other people that feel the same way. So if there's other people out there that I've met that feel the same way, that means there's a lot more people. And those are the people I want to reach people that just might be new and might think, Hey, I don't want my sobriety to suck. Okay. Well, let's help do that, right? Let's look at it differently. And that's what that was the approach that I think that really helped. And when you brought up the writing, I think that's why it helped so much. Because what I did was was consistently being honest about what I was experiencing and seeing, which helped shift my mindset. And so every day I was thinking about alcohol, but not from a negative point. Just from a this is that thing over there. This is me now. I don't want that thing, and this is why. And I just Boom, and so my mind just started shifting in different directions all the time, and I loved it. It's been it's been so much fun. I really it really has been amazing.
1: Sober people aren't boring. Sober people don't suck. We're amazing because first of all, it's a superpower because you've committed and made a drastic change. I had to unravel forty years of bad habits. I've been successful doing it for twenty seven months, and that's not to say that there are very hard days, and then some days aren't quite so hard. But the point is you have to unravel and change a lifetime of bad habits and bad choices and old routines. And that's what I love about your approach is you've done exactly that your way and kind of chose the, you you put like the heavy backpack down in in, in a good way and you've embraced the positive side and the good energy. And I think that once you find your why, I'm not going to say the rest is easy, but it Becomes easier, I think, um, which is I love. That's what I love about what you're doing. Well, and I think
0: that my entire approach with this so far, and I'm I'm developing it as I go. Right, um, I have a friend of mine named Bobby C, who I've done some video casts with, and and we talk a lot about this. And what he said to me the, the first day I met him, which it rang true, and I was like, "Wow, I like that." He goes, "Because he's 36 years uh, sober, started in AA and did that whole route." And he's like, "You know what?" He goes, "You're untainted." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well." You came into this with no understanding of what people are going through. And I'm like, that's true. You know, that's what, that was the difference. I didn't, I didn't go into it thinking it was going to suck. You know, hmm. I didn't go into it assuming that this was going to be the hardest thing I ever did. I didn't go into it with any of these kind of thoughts. I just went into it. And then as I got into it, I started to learn, Hey, I'm having this amazing experience, but not everybody else is. And that's what kind of propelled me into this work, what I'm doing now is I want to talk about my experience because I think mine has been easy and, and I use that word and it pisses people off and that's fine. But yeah, seriously, it, it does. And, and I understand it. I, I mean, hey, if you had a hard time, I understand that. And man, I support you and applaud you for sticking to it because damn, right? But what is wrong with saying, hey, there might be people out there who are thinking about it, you know, the sober curious movement, right? And yeah. who haven't really looked into the hard sobriety, right? They're not seeing it as that thing. And so what if I tell them, hey, this has been my experience. This is why, and it can be yours too. If you just, you know, if you look at it that way, if you find a way to, like you said, find your thing, right? Find your positive side. You can experience a different experience. I believe.
1: You can get how the term "easy" would piss off lots of people struggling with addiction or struggling in recovery because it, they they have been through gut wrenching, long term pain. And have gone through, like we mentioned before, where a lifetime of just tragedy as a result of their addictions. So I, I get how they could be annoyed and then their knee-jerk reaction is, F you, I'm struggling. It's, it's, I'm not suggesting that that's – I'm not saying that's right at all, but they should embrace the fact that you've been blessed and it, it's not been like that for you. So I think that it's interesting. Um, and as you mentioned, some people react harshly to that. And I, I think the main takeaway, and, and for anybody, it doesn't matter – uh, sobriety aside, I think that you need to be more open-minded about everybody else's experiences and choices and support them uh, in, in a positive way. And this isn't me blowing sunshine up people's asses here. I'm saying that how can, you, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. You can't say, I'm going to support you only if you do it my way, if you take these 12 steps. That's crap. You can't do that. You've got to say, look, I'm, I'm happy that you're sober. I'm proud of you for making that choice and committing to, that, to these new routines and this new lifestyle. I'm happy that you got there the way that you did. Whatever that means, that's the difference because I've had people on the show so far that have gone through AA. I've had people that have not gone through AA. I've had people that done a little blend of both. I personally did not go through AA. I'm all for it because I know people that have tremendous success with it, but it just wasn't the route that I chose. That
0: That's the bottom line. It's I wish people would just kind of step back from their own experience and be like, hey, your experience is your experience. And if it's working- then right on right and just support those people in those experiences and that's all I'm trying to do here and and like I said I always circle back when I'm talking about this stuff and say hey I understand if you had a hard time I understand uh, you know that that's that's a, a different situation and you know I'm proud of you for doing what you did and I always say that because I you know, I don't care how you got there if you're there freaking cool right
1: that's the thing it's not where you start it's where you end up and there's different strategies and tactics for everybody and people should uniquely approach that one of the other pieces of this is that there are different kinds of outcomes also. Like some people like to count the outcome. I, I'm not personally a counter. I don't have, I have to look at the little app in my phone to, if somebody says how long, I know 27 months. I, I couldn't tell you the day counts because that kind of, been, for me personally, that gets in the way of a good day. I don't like to day 181 here we go or whatever the hell the number is because i'm afraid that it kind of tony robbins style ish i think that you are what you believe and then what you envision so you have to i for me i need to envision the good day and some days suck some days are really really hard and and but that aside i still try to approach my day through my routines that i've built starting thinking about the sunshine of it all right if, and all the good things. I don't start my day going, today's going to fucking suck. Because <laughs> if I do that, then today's going to fucking gonna, suck.
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I, I get it. Um, from, from a writing perspective, if you could share a little bit about that um, and the kinds of articles and things or posts rather um, and where people can find you. Because I love I love that you put it out there for people to read and, and enjoy in a couple different formats. So if you could tell us a little bit more about that, I would appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So my, uh, my website is called xstopwriting.com. And um, I haven't really explained this, but I might as well, um, because it doesn't make any sense, the name, right? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I love writing and I love photography. And the F-stop from a photography standpoint is something that I kind of wanted to use. And then I thought about my son and his name starts with X. And so I thought, well, I'll just make it X-stop and then writing and call that my thing. And that's, that's where it came from. But X-stopwriting.com is my website. And uh, my blog is called Sober Militia. And that came about just kind of as a fun, I don't know, it kind of just organically happened. I didn't like try to think of a name. I think I just was, you know how you do hashtags, right? I think I just did it one time because people did uh, Recovery Posse was something I kept seeing. And then I was doing something with Sober and then I said Sober Militia. And I'm like, whoa, that's kind of cool. And so I just kept it. So that's the name of my blog. Just to go back a little bit, uh, like I said, you know, when I first started writing and I first became sober, I said, hey, I'm going to write for 30 days. And that seemed like a really big undertaking, you know, to write every day uh, for 30 days. And and I did that. And the 30 days ended. I'm like, wow, I don't want to stop. You know, like I was enjoying it. So I'm like, I'm just going to keep going. And so then I made a decision to write for 101 or 100 days. I'm like, I'm going to do this for 100 days. And uh, so I did. I kept writing every day my blog for 100 days. And then as that came to the end, I was like... I'm not done yet. You know, I did, kept going every day for a while, but I finally got to a point where I'm like, okay, this is too much. I mean, cause I was starting to write longer blogs and doing the podcasts with them that I added, uh, started taking up a lot of time. So I, I scaled back to two days. So I do Mondays and Thursdays now and, uh, and I'm still doing it every day or every Monday and Thursday, but the, I, I just kind of let my mind go wherever it went. Um, in the beginning, it was more about just my experiences. And then I started coming up with some thoughts, you know, and I was going through therapy at the time and I'm no longer anymore because I feel like I got past that, which is kind of cool. Uh, one of the things that my therapist used was the idea of, uh, it's called CBT, core um, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and it talks about core sure. beliefs. And so I spent some time talking about core beliefs and just saying, hey, take a core belief that screws you up in sobriety, something like um, I, I can I can never quit drinking. If I tell myself that every day, then I will never quit drinking, right? And so it's shifting that perception and that mind mindset. And so I I played with that for a while. I did the ABCs of sobriety, where I just kind of every day I added a letter, you know, A B, you know, through the the alphabet and added a word that has to do with sobriety. I did that for, and that was fun. I actually enjoyed that. I've talked about living well, you know, what it means to live well is, uh, you know, in sobriety. Um, What else have I done? Uh, Right now, I'm working on labels. I call it label-free sobriety. And uh, sure. what I'm trying to do is kind of pick apart some of these these very common terms that we use in our um, uh, in our outlook about, you know, alcohol and, and drinking. And I just started it. I th- I started with alcoholic. Um, and then the next one I did was um, addict. And the idea is, you know, do we need to call ourselves these things? And because I don't think we do. You know what I mean? If you look at them by definition, you can break them down and be like, hey, am I an addict if I haven't used in you know X amount of months? Well, if you look at the term and the definition, addict means a habit-forming behavior. Well, if I'm not doing it, I'm not an addict anymore, right? So why call ourselves that? Because the first thing that comes to our mind when we say the word addict is a horrific image, right? It's true. Why do I want to call myself that or even associate myself with that? So I don't. Um, And so I'm kind of playing with that idea now, which I've been enjoying that. As far as, uh, you know, the writing, I, I'm just going to keep that going. I just, you know, to me, I, I haven't ran out of anything to say. So I'm just going to keep saying it. Got to do it. I will plug one thing. I'm, I uh, i decided after the 100 days, the first 100 days of writing, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to call this the first 101 days of sobriety. And so right now I'm turning that into a book. And so the idea with that is that I have 101 blogs about the first 101 days. And then I, I add my own reflections throughout the book, and so I'm in the editing process of that right now. I'm about ready to wrap that up, and hope to get it out um, definitely by the end of the year. And I'm not don't have a title yet, but it's going to be along the the um, the lines of something to do with easier sobriety and 100 the first 101 days kind of a deal. And so that's kind of, I love it. yeah, I'm excited about it. I just, you know, I'll put it out there. I don't care what happens to it. It's just me, you know, it's my thing. I'm going to put it out in the world. And if if it does something, it does something. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know.
1: I subscribe to the same methodology in terms of it. If you put it out there trying to become the guru of something, or I want to be the number one guy in the search results or some bullshit like that. It never works out because it's fake. And you're doing all this methodical crap underneath. If it's content driven and it comes from your heart and your soul, I I think it'll get its own legs and be successful in its own right. And that to me is what is really wonderful uh, about what you're doing because, well, first of all, just breaking it down from a process perspective, committing to the 30 days of writing. And then when you cross that path, you made another choice to go to the 100 days, writing what you love and believe, and then you trimmed it back because you're ready to do that. So I, I think that's great. And you're converting this to the book. You've, we're doing that you're doing, and I'm going to participate uh, and support it as any way that I can, the Sober Happy Hour, which I think is wonderful on Fridays. I happen to be a part of that. And I think we should go, obviously, if we can, if it's not already taken, I'm sure it is, but uh, hashtag Sober Happy Hour. And if it is taken, just contribute to that content yeah, for sure. um, to get people to play because I think it's awesome. And then, but the other piece is, I think that you have to choose your own path. I mean, people laugh at me. One of the main things that I did to get and stay sober, um, two things. First of all, I changed the way I thought about and approached it. I didn't quit smoking. I became smoke free. Yeah. I didn't quit drinking. I be, became alcohol free. Yeah. And though just that little tiny twist, and people could say it doesn't matter, but it, oh, does, it does to me. It's so big, yeah. It really helps you put the weight down instead of carrying it all the time. Because then it becomes this negative struggle as opposed to I'm leaving that baggage there yeah. um, for me, number one. Number two is I started with simple new habits, routines, and processes. And for me, it started with walking. I couldn't walk 15 minutes at a very slow pace without almost collapsing from exhaustion because I was in such a bad state. Yeah. And I now... Um, one day at a time, one step at a time, I now walk at least two miles a day, box eight rounds a day, bike five miles a day, and play tennis twice a week for two hours a night. Uh, each time I play, among other things, I play basketball every day. But the the point I'm making is it started with one single step, just like yours started with a single blog. And you continued that process. That's the process. The process is your process. And I love what you're doing and what you're writing. And I can't wait to read your book. And I'm so pleased that we got connected on the podcast. And I'm I'm looking forward to uh, Silver Happy Hour. Uh, And from a negative perspective, Um, Most people associate from an addiction perspective or an alcoholism alcoholism perspective, happy hour kind of gives people the shivers. And I love that you're turning that on its head um, in a positive way with a bunch of people getting together with their coffees and teas and milkshakes because we're the coolest dudes around, man. I mean, in terms of that being you, but everyone that's part of the sober militia, we're superheroes in our own right because of what we've accomplished. And I'm I'm happy to have you on the show and, and thanks for
0: being here. I appreciate it very much. It's been really cool.